0: number one says the word faith in the New Testament number 11. The word faith where? In the New Testament number 11. Uh, So far you know all the shades of meanings of the word faith. In the New Testament we have about three. In the Old Testament we have about three. Is that correct? In the New Testament we say we are going to look at four. We are the third one. Is that correct? Just for a quick recall. Let's just start from the New Testament. What are the shades of meaning in the New Testament? Number one, faith as a, come on, number one, faith as a religious vocation. Number two, faith as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Most appropriately called what? Faithfulness. Are we all following? If, if this word, if you're not paying attention, this word, you make, you can, anything you don't pay attention to, you can't make use of it, and you will need it at some point. That's why I'm taking my time. And people say, Pastor, you take too long time to review. Even after that, people, I get it hard. It's it's not easy to get people to recall. Because I'm somebody, when I teach, I want it to be in your heart. Because I want you to make use of it. And they say, you take too long time to review. But then, (laughs) praise the Lord. My whole purpose is to get you. Because I understood in my secular uh, training as a teacher, that a learning is a change of behavior based on past experience. So if you don't remember, your behavior cannot change. <laughs> Amen? Okay. Okay. And then number four is faith as what? An apprehending and appropriating facility or faculty. Amen? And that. Is faith as a set of sense organs by which the soul apprehends or perceives God and his gracious blessings and apprehends, appropriates them for experience and for use? And uh, so that's what faith as an apprehending, appropriating facility or faculty is. And then it means, therefore, that faith in this sense is faith as a set of senses, spirit senses. Is that okay? Or a spirit sense organ, which the, f- the soul uses to relate, amen, with a spirit realm. With the invisible realm with heaven and the things of heaven so with our physical senses we relate with the earth and the things of the earth the physical realm is that correct but with faith we relate with the spirit realm essentially god and other spirit persons and god's gracious purposes and plans and god's um Gracious provisions, is that correct? And then all other spiritual realities. And then the second major function of this form of faith in the Bible, this shade of meaning of faith in the Bible, is relationship with God. That's what we dealt with last week, is that correct? Relationship with God, by which we get two things, righteousness, amen? And what? Faithfulness. Now, let me say this, because this will help you generally. This is the commonest use of the word faith in the Bible. This is the commonest sense in which the word faith is used in the Bible. And I will give you the easiest way to pick them up. Anywhere you saw a miracle in the Bible, and that miracle, of course, is received or brought into being by faith. It is this kind of faith. It is faith in this shade of faith meaning. Does anybody follow? Anywhere in the Bible or in life does anybody receive anything from God for their benefit, for their use, or for the use of others? It is this kind, it is faith in this shade of meaning. Are you all following? So, every other shade of meaning of faith in the Bible is very important. And the good thing about these different shades of meaning is that this shade of meaning, the particular shade of meaning does not displace in importance the other shade of meaning. What is important is that you know when you see the word faith in the Bible, you know what particular shade of meaning you're dealing with at that particular time. Otherwise, you'll be drawn into confusion and unnecessary controversy. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? Now, let me say this before I continue. For you and I, the faith that we need to receive God and to receive this from God is the shared of meaning we're talking about now. And in the Bible, you see it when people exercise it in receiving things from God or in receiving God and in receiving things from God or in receiving maybe manifestation of miracles. Uh, Amen? Amen. Amen. And like I've been teaching you, in many of those cases, and many other parts of the world, you may not see the word faith when these things are happening. Are you following? Eh? Sometimes you see the word believe. Well, there could never be believe or believing without faith, if you understand this. Are you following? Amen. And also, sometimes you won't see the word faith or believe, but you see somebody having that experience. Like somebody comes to Christ and receives Christ. You may not see the word faith there but it was what started the whole business is faith as a pair of apprehending and appropriating facility of faculty. Is that clear? Uh, Am I helping anybody here? All right. Tonight, here's what we're going to do quickly. We're still on this shade of faith. It's the biggest, and that's why it's taking us more time. And the most interesting for me is the next one we're going to deal with. And I won't give it to you early, so show up that day. Praise the Lord. Amen. But here's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about the two dimensions. The two dimensions. How many born again Christians are in this room, in this sanctuary tonight? How many born again Christians? Okay. I want you to know that there are two dimensions or measures or phases of this faith which you have experienced. And you didn't know that you have been experiencing the two phases or dimensions of measures. But after now, you will know. Hmm? If you say you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> Amen? So the first dimension or phase or measure of this faith is the what I, I call initial measure. Please, I'm sorry to say this. Most of these things, you may not find them. It's what the Lord showed them, showed me, and the way I'm saying them. So uh, you may talk to somebody, say, initial phase of faith. They may not understand what you're talking about. If you didn't sit in this class or hear the tape or read the book. But that's how God showed me in the Bible. And I will show you. After I show you, if you think it's right, then you follow. If you don't think it was so in the Bible, let me know. You may get your refund. Praise the Lord. Amen? So what did I say the first phase is? Initial phase of apprehending and appropriating faith. By initial, we mean the beginning or the first part of something. Is that correct? So here we're talking about your first, the beginning of your experience with something. And the something here is apprehending and appropriating faith. There was a time you began, praise the Lord. The beginning or the start of an experience or of something. That's the meaning of initial. And the something we are dealing with here is apprehending or what? And and appropriating faith. Is that correct? So, what do we mean by this? It is the beginning or the very first experience and exercise of apprehending and appropriating faith by a soul. And what, by a soul. Amen? And where, what is the target of this initial exercise? The target of this initial exercise of apprehending and appropriating faith is God. Amen? Amen? In Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Apostle, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. The very first time anybody will genuinely exercise his faith, his target is who? God. In who? Jesus Christ. By what? The revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's the first time. And let me tell you why that's the first time. And if, when, if that goes through, then that is your beginning, the beginning of your relationship with God. Does anybody follow that? You don't think it's important? That's why you can. And people talk about this when they say, when I first met the Lord. Have you heard that before? When I gave my life to Christ. You know, these are religious terminologies that can confuse you. But we're bringing it to simplicity. Or when the Lord encountered me. Or when I encountered the Lord. When God touched me. Hmm? Or when I came into the faith. You need to exercise this faith to be able to come into the faith. Are you, f- you see how they are blending now. There are two different shades of meaning of faith there. Now You understand what I'm saying? Have you had people say, when I came to faith or into the faith? Have you heard that? The faith there they're talking about coming into is faith as a religious vocation. Is that correct? But it took this faith of apprehension of God and appropriating of God to get into that. And it takes this faith also for you to become faithful. Because if you don't encounter God first, how can you be faithful to someone you don't even know? Does anybody follow what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, these faiths, shades of meanings come together. But the point I want to make tonight is that this initial measure is the measure you exercised that enabled you, the primary thing you received by this faith, which is the first thing in the package known as grace, is what? God himself. God. That's the primary thing. That's the first thing. And this is the faith. When you exercise this faith for the first time, it marks the beginning of your relationship with God. That's why the kind of Christianity we talk about, we ask you, When did you meet God? When did you get saved? People should be able to tell you. They may not be able to tell you the minute. They may not be able to tell you the hour. They may not be able to some people do. They can. Okay. They, may not be, they may tell you, and sometimes the Holy Spirit works in different ways. He may not be able to tell you what minute, one hour, but the season, he can tell you the season. And we can only also talk about when we exercise the faith. The Holy Spirit starts this soft long time. You can't believe how long. But you know you didn't respond. Because it, you know what it takes to respond? This faith. Apprehending. Now, when you respond, that's when we start counting. But by the way, the Holy Spirit has started years. In fact, in Paul, for Paul, Paul said that God called him while he was in his mother's womb. Is that correct? And from the time he was born, while he was persecuting the church, are you following He was The Holy Spirit was still leading him, but he wasn't responding. Religiosity, Judaism, tradition of the fathers, wouldn't let him hear the voice of the Holy Spirit until that day. Remember his encounter with Jesus? That's an example of what we're talking about. But you know what? He had been in religion before that time for years. Uh, Do you follow what I'm saying? Like many of us here, we were born in, quote, Christian homes, but we had not had personal encounter with the Lord. Mine was until I was in my early 20s. But I was born. Are you I, At age five, I was praying. This guy better get to that age quickly. Because I have to start monitoring him. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you following? But, and that was the Holy Spirit leading me. My mom enrolled me in this religious, in this uh, group, in that group. That was the Holy Spirit orchestrating things. Every one of you went through the same experience. Isaiah had the same experience. He was religious. Until he went into that temple, he said, I saw the Lord. That not that initial faith? He was a Jewish young man for years. But one day, boom, I saw the Lord. That was his initial. Does anybody follow? Huh? Do you know that the disciples of Jesus we are not born again until the resurrection. But there were glimpses. There was a glimpse. There were glimpses. They were following him. They believed him. They exercised faith in him before. And he reckoned with that. Amen? Then on the day of resurrection, he imparted that life. Because they stayed. Remember the day he asked them if they were going to live? see, those, there were some people who left. They had no conviction. But these people followed him. Amen? Amen? They believed him, but they were hoping for him. But the thing that God required for him to do to get men into the kingdom, he hadn't done it until the resurrection. Because they stayed. Then he imparted, they had believed ahead of time. Let's look at scripture here. Are we ready? Let's look at scripture. So, before we look at scripture, let me say one more thing about this. So, I said that this faith, you do what you see with this faith, the initial time you do it, you see who? God. Where? In Jesus Christ. Through what? The revelation of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you what will happen before we read scriptures. Let me tell you what will be the result. The result is that these people, or anybody who will experience this faith, sees Jesus. The physical senses tells them that this is just another man, or another Jew. That's what the 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 physical senses will tell you about Jesus, whether when he was alive or now that he's seated in the tr- on the throne. We all see him all the time. I all hear about him. I, I, you're following. So that's the first thing that happens. And when you see him with the physical senses, now you have to make a choice just to take him like an ordinary man or take him like an ordinary Jew and keep going your way. That's physical senses. But when you see him and see beyond that physical facade, <laughs> you see somebody that is more than a man. You see somebody that's more than a Jew. You see somebody who's more than a prophet. And you see the Messiah. You're coming close. You see the Christ, which is the same as the word Messiah. Are you all following? You see the Son of God you see are you all listening you see the kingdom of god coming from heaven in him right now on earth face to face with you right now yeah. you're seeing the kingdom of god are you all following does anybody follow you see praise the lord what else do you see you see in him god and then you see in him what else? The redemption that God had already given. And you see in him the salvation. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then, after you see all of those, and you know, another thing you have to see th- right there everything the Bible has said about him. You may not be able to see all of them in one sitting, but if you stay, then you begin to, as you come out for teaching, expose yourself for the word of God, you keep seeing your eyes keep getting wider. But did you see the initial things I listed you have to see? When you see those things, for you and to you, it's no more a mere man. It's no more an ordinary Jewish man. Are you ready for scripture now? And I want you to pay attention to scripture. John chapter 6, quickly. John chapter 6. How many of you will accept scripture when scripture tells you something? <laughs> and that's one other thing this faith will teach you. Faith will always show you that scripture is a final arbiter on every matter or issue about life and your spiritual being. Are you in John chapter 6? Go with me to verse 40. John 6, 40. Hmm. So the, the center, the primary target of this faith is Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit that lifts him up for, you, for the faith to look at. Are you all following? And when the faith, the Holy Spirit directs you to Jesus. See, the first person that approaches you from the Godhead is the Holy Spirit. And when he approaches you, when he encounters you, you, may not, you have no idea what is going on. But he points you to Jesus. He places Jesus up. That's the primary function of the Holy Spirit. Any spirit that does not elevate Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. And the way you look at Jesus by the direction of the Holy Spirit, you see the Father. And you see those things I showed you. And you say to yourself, wow, this is not an ordinary man. And you say, who is this man? You say to yourself, okay, this is the one they said that will come with the kingdom, redemption, salvation. Does anybody follow? You may have spent 40, 50 years of your life dancing around, drinking, smoking, running around with men and women, attacking Christianity, but the day you have this encounter, jungle mature. Are you following? Look at verse 40. For this is the will of my Father. That everyone who does what? Everyone. How many people? Who does what? Look at what they do. Who does what? Behold. Did you see that word, behold? Huh? <laughs> who sees? If your the Elizabethan English, turns you off. Everyone who sees or beholds who? Their son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself, listen to that. Come on. We we'll raise him up on the last day. Stop right there. Everyone, this is the will of my father that everyone who does what? Sees or beholds who? The Son. Who is speaking? It, no, who is speaking directly? Who was speaking? Jesus. So, and the Jews understood what he was saying. Whose Son is he talking about? The son of God. Now you're looking at people, you're a man, man, you're like them. That's the problem, that's the problem. And they're like you. And you're telling them you are the son of God. In fact, if a Muslim was standing there, he would stone you first. The problem with the Muslim is not whether you are really the son of God or not. It's that God cannot have a, a child because God cannot marry I was told that in their mosque in Jerusalem, there's a big bumper sticker message that says, God has no son. Is that not unbelief? Uh Serious unbelief. Now, but the Jew, the problem the Jew have is that they know the Messiah is coming. Uh, But they have the expectation of where he's going to come from. And Jesus didn't look like. The expectation of a Messiah was two levels, two things. Either a mighty warrior who's coming to fight the Rome, well, the Roman government, and get him out of the way. Well, this guy showed up as a carpenter, not as a military officer. Secondly, they were looking for a royal king, a son of David. He was the son of David, but he didn't show up. With the regalia of royalty, first and foremost, the paternity was in question. The mother was a teenager who got pregnant, and that was the pro- product of that preg- that pregnancy. Are you all following? You know, it was a stumbling block for them. <laughs> and they knew when he was born. They knew his. Bro- that's what they told him in his own village. They saw him grow up. And one day they said, you said you have known all things from generation. You are not even 50 years. And they were right. He was 33 when he died. So he must have said some of this stuff at 30. You are not even old. You are not as old as our father Abraham. He said before Abraham was, I am. It was... The people, okay. They said, didn't we say it? You have a demon. That's what they told him. They say we said it, that this, something is wrong with this guy. We told you people to arrest him and get him out. He needs medical treatment. You have a demon. And then, he showed up one other day. He said, he that sees the sun or beholds the sun. They understood. And he understood what he was saying. He was deliberate. The son. Whose son? Not the son of Mary. The son of God. And does what? Go back. And does what? Believes in him. That's a series on its own. What it means to believe in Jesus. And I'm going to give that series. But for now, let me tell you. You see the son and believes in him. What is he saying by believing in him? You're persuaded that he's the son. You're convinced that he's a son. You're persuaded to say that he's a son. You're persuaded to follow him because he's the son of God. That's the meaning of that word, believe. Does anybody follow? Can I say that again? If you see the son, you are looking at this ordinary man. The ordinariness was so much. In fact, below. And then you saw that ordinariness and you look beyond that ordinariness And you saw the Son of God. And let me tell you, they understood that if you call yourself the Son of God, then you are God. They understood that. They said, you being a man, making yourself equal with God. That was blasphemy. That's their charge for him. You being a what? A man. Did you see their unbelief now? You being a what? A man. You make yourself out to be like who? God. For them, that was blasphemy. The high priest asked him the final question that made him give an order for them to crucify it. He said, now tell us, are you the Messiah to come, the Son of God? He said, you have said it. The high priest tore his clothes. You have no idea. You know, we show up today. We show up and say, I believe in Jesus. You have no idea. It's so simple for us. We don't even understand what it means. Is somebody listening to me this evening? So you look at that ordinariness and pierce through that ordinariness and say, this man, even though he looks outwardly like an ordinary man, he's not an ordinary man, he is the son of God. And by extension, you're saying he is God. Because the son of God is the second person in the divine triunity. Does anybody follow? And believe means... You're convinced to settle the matter. And you're persuaded to do what? Speak about it. Keep saying it. And you're persuaded to do what? Keep following him and obeying him. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. Um, Did that make sense to you? And then what did Jesus say? So did you see apprehending and appropriating faith there? Huh? As a spiritual faculty. But notice, it's not everybody that experienced that. We are going to see the next scripture. And believes in him will have what? Eternal life, eternal life is the re- primary result. And I myself, remember he that believed heart, right? And one of the things he that believed heart from wh- our study on that was eternal life. Is that correct? And I myself will do what? Raise him up. When? On the last day. That's a covenantal commitment on his part. John chapter 4, quickly. John chapter 4, let's move rather quickly now. Are you you following the initial? Eh? So anybody that doesn't have this encounter and comes in the middle of the road and says, I'm a Christian, run away. Because you know a lot of people sit in church who don't even believe that Jesus is the Son of God, who don't believe that Jesus is God. Have you come across them? Or one of these days you come across them. Their whole congregation... Who don't believe that Jesus is God. For instance, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't. You're aware of that? There are a whole lot of gods who appear to be look like Christians, but they don't. And there are individuals in churches who don't. Let's face it. Are you in John chapter 4? Go down to verse 10, I believe. I have explained this to you before. Uh huh. Go to nine. Go to eight. Go to six. Let's play by, by eye, not by ear now. Oh. Go to five. Okay. So he came to a city. He was coming from a journey. He came to a city, that's Jesus, of Samaria called Sica. Near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Those who go on trips to Jerusalem to talk about that well. Amen. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, how many of you believe, you think you're the only person who gets tired and weary that can't come to church? Are you all listening to me? All right. So Jesus, being weary from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman, listen to this, to draw what water. And of course, you know the kind of life that woman was living before now. Is it clear to you that that woman, she she was claiming to to be a religious person, to know God. But is it clear? After she had the encounter with Jesus, she knew that that day was the beginning for her. Are you you all following? When you meet Jesus, religion gives way to eternal life. Does anybody follow what I'm saying here? Mm -hmm. And this for those of you who go on evangelism, this will help you. This series of teachings will help you if you go on evangelism or if you witness to people on the job anywhere, these things will help you. Apart from helping you receive stuff, receive God and receive things from God, it will help you to minister to others too. Are you following? Are you, is that making sense to you now? There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Whether she was, he was thirsty or not. I, I, I can't believe he was thirsty. Because the Bible says he was weary. And uh, the Middle East is like Africa. If you walk a distance on foot, one of the things you want before food is water. You don't get hungry on that dusty road. You get thirsty. <laughs> Are you following? All right. For his disciple had gone away into the city to buy food. See, he can wait for food, but not water. Next. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a what? A Jew. That's what he's seeing. She was seeing. How is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? You see, ethnic problems didn't start today. Racism. Tribalism. Are you following? And of course, that woman, judging by the cultural environment of the day, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't have Dealings with each other. I don't want to get into that. It's a long story. Are you following? Uh huh. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Did you see that? Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, Jesus has started preaching to her without anybody knowing the gift of God, the grace of God. In other words, woman, you're on the level of Jew and Samaritan. I am the Son of God, the Messiah from God. Now, if not for grace, I wouldn't have shown up to you. I would have shown up to the Jewish people. Sometimes we scare away God's provisions for us. Uh, You didn't get that. Because of our prejudice. We have made up our mind before we came out of our mother's womb. You know why we cry when we were born? (laughs) Because we made up our mind in, in the womb. When we come out... We meet conditions we didn't, we didn't plan for. We crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's my theory. Amen. All right. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would. You notice the point is getting to know who Jesus really is. What, what was the woman looking at? Jewish guy. Jew and guy. Or man. She had had dealings with men. So when she sees men, you recognize them quickly. <laughs> are you all following? Remember Rahab? Okay. Rahab saw in the servants of Joshua, he saw the God of Israel. See, see the thing? Alright, moving on. Uh, go, go, you go back quickly. And who it is who says to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you what? Living water. You know, sometimes we have the inferior form of something, and we hold on to it. Am I right? And then we have an p- opportunity to bless us to the point that we can drop the one we have and part with it. Because we're holding on to that one, the other one leaves us. And then after he goes, he says, Can you? Give me another chance. You understand? Amen. Next. Next, quickly. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. See, this woman was working on the sense level all this time. Is that true? Are you beginning to see what I'm teaching you on faith? Eh? All right. Senses are not to be thrown away, but they have their role. Please. But it doesn't fit in there. Amen? Where then do you get that living water? At least she has some interest. She's a little inquisitive. And it's good to be a little inquisitive, not to be nosy. (laughs) Okay, verse 12. And the woman went on and on. This Jewish man, let me tell you the truth. I just want to tell you the truth. Who do you think you are? You Jews, you're always proud. Blah, 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 blah. Look at what the next teacher say, You are not greater than our father Jacob. Are you? Are you talking about having living water? You don't even have a bottle. You don't have a bucket. Oh my God, John. <laughs> I'm just telling you who we are. Amen? And he himself drank of it. He drank of it himself. Are you bigger? And his sons and his cattle. Now he's lecturing Jesus on Jacob. The one who created Jacob. The one who Jacob served. And next, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks from this water, from this well, tests will test again. Hey, authority. But whoever drinks. Of the water that I will give. That's eternal life, the Holy Spirit. Is that correct? Shall never what? Test. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of what water springing up unto what? Eternal life. Notice he hasn't changed his message. It's eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. If it were today, we say, hey, in eternal life you we'll go chop. Every Sunday, eternal life, eternal life. Now, I'm just telling you what people do today. But that's what changed a woman's life. My pastor is still teaching on eternal life. Excuse me. Next, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. But at least she's paying attention. Jesus, you know, Jesus is a, an outstanding preacher. He knows how to get you. He said to her, uh-huh. he, he brings in something supernatural now, really, really, demonstration. He said, go call your husband and come here. In fact, in that culture, two of them are not supposed to have had that discussion longer. You notice when the disciples came, they were shocked he was talking to a woman, and a, a Samaritan too. So go and call your husband. The woman answered and said, And Jesus knew. That was the gift of the Holy Spirit they operated. The word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. He said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. That's a polite, nice way of saying you are living in (laughs) adultery. You see, sometimes we preachers have to learn. You, don't say, you are daughter of God will judge you. You repent. That's a polite, nice way. The man you're living with is not yours, son. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive. you a prophet? What what are you saying there? <laughs> are you saying it? Because it's perception. It's perception. It's perception. It's, you see, apprehending faculty. The woman at that time had just taken her pair of spirit glasses known as faith and said, let me look at this man well. That's what faith is. It's a pair of glasses or magnifier you have. And many times it's by your bed corner or at your table like some people. I won't call their names. They're looking at me. They want to accuse me. Praise the Lord. Are you are you are you, are you all listening? Yeah. Sir, I perceive your prophet. is no more ordinary man, no more a Jewish man. Now I perceive. By that word perceive, he's talking about not what the senses we are telling her. And that is the beginning of a new a life of relationship with God. Am I making sense to anybody? next 20 our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you people say that in jerusalem she still has one problem one obstacle is the place where men ought to worship amen that used to be an argument between them the jews say if you don't worship in jerusalem you're not worshiping god that's why when the romans knocked down that temple in jerusalem that was the end official end of judaism because they can't worship anywhere. Now they have synagogues, but notice they can't kill rams in those synagogues. The temple is irreplaceable for them. So Judaism moved from the one Moses had, where they kill rams and offer sacrifices. For over 2,000 years, they have not been offering sacrifices, and that's not really biblical Judaism, and it will not be restored. Don't let anybody fool you. And then Jesus gave the woman an answer. You guys, Jews, you say in Jerusalem is where worship ought to be done. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Gerizim. Man, Gerizim. The, the Samaritans. Amen? And Jesus gave her one of the most beautiful answers. Go ahead. Go ahead. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. An hour is coming. When neither on this mountain <laughs> nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. When is that hour? It's now. What Jesus is saying that if Jesus had not come and died on the cross, this service we are holding in the Bronx would not be recognized before God, no matter how much offering we give. For we worship that, we know that's the Jews, for salvation is from the Jews. Mm-hmm. Moving on. So Jesus brought his own thing mm-hmm. a little bit there. But an hour is coming, and now is. Beginning with his presence and after his resurrection. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. Not on any specified geographic location. But anywhere, Jesus said, wherever two or more of you are gathered together, I am there in your midst. Amen. Did you understand that scripture now? You know, people think that worshiping God in the spirit, from the, when they say the spirit, they do this. It's not this. Well, but that's good, too. You have to worship from... Okay? <laughs> and in what? Truth. Truth there doesn't mean you're always saying that. truth. Truth there's reality. The reality is Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit gathering his people, God's people everywhere. Amen? For such people, their father seeks to be his worshippers. Did you notice that? And how did he start? And so God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. If God is a spirit, how can you see the spirit? Physical, you uh, see that. So that woman that afternoon saw God as a spirit inside of Jesus. And a new life began. Amen. Does anybody follow that? Matthew 16. Did you follow that? Yes. Okay. Initial encounter. It will bring you into relationship with God. Amen? Initial encounter. Exercise of apprehending and appropriating faith. Let's go to Matthew 16, 16, quickly. Matthew 16, 16. Are you being blessed? Amen. Matthew 16, 16, quickly. Amen. 16. Let's start from 13. Mm -hmm. 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, are you all following, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Did you notice that? Now, he didn't say the Son of God. He said the Son of Man. And the Son of Man, as he used it there, listen to me, does not just necessarily mean someone or some man born by a man. No. That is a messianic title. Hmm? The Son of Man, when Jesus is in the Bible, is from a figure that God... Show them that a vision that Daniel had in the book of Daniel. The son of man is one of the messianic titles of Jesus. Because that son of man means Messiah. Does anybody follow? Who do men say I, the son of man, is? And they said, some say you are John the Baptist. Are you following? And others say you are Elijah, but still others says you are Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Did you notice that? They were religious in their answers, but they were still sensual. It was from what eyes could see. It was not faith. They knew the Messiah was coming. It was hard for them to believe that Jesus is that Messiah that was coming. That he had come. And instead of seeing that, they will make do with saying, you are John the Baptist. Notice every person they called there were great men. Amen? So because you are doing miracles, really, we saw your miracle and you have sound teaching and so on and so forth. But you cannot be the Messiah. You are John the Baptist. You are Elijah. You are Jeremiah. Or One of the prophets, that's who you are. Does anybody follow? Religious people still do that. Muslims say he is a prophet. Is that not true? All right. Then Jesus said, okay, if that's what people say about me. What about you that have been following me for two and a half years now? But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Let me say this. Go back to that. That word, I am. Again, is the name of God. In the English, it comes out as if, it's in pure English. I am Greek. Ego imi, ego imi. I am. That's what he said to Moses at the burning bush. Who are you? Say I am. I am who I am. It was used seven times in the New Testament, but he has asking them at this time. Then, if that's what men said about me, okay, okay, I've heard what men said about me. What about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was good. Kind to those people. Next verse. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ. The Son of the living God. What did he say? If anyone sees the Son of God, right? Huh? Beholds the Son of God. Is that correct? Well, that's what Simon Peter beheld here. Simon Peter said what nobody didn't have the boldness to say. Let's look at that. The King James is so uh, 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 poetic there. Thou art the Christ. He didn't stop there. The Son of the what? living God. He's looking at an ordinary man. He's looking at a a fellow Jewish man. Does anybody follow here? Jesus was kind of taken aback. It's like, and you know one thing about Jesus, he didn't go about telling people that he was those things. You know why he didn't tell people? He wanted people to use their faith to figure out. Praise the Lord. But you know what? He has allowed us to tell people that. And if we don't tell people that, we have failed him. Look at what happened. Next verse, Jesus had to respond. And Jesus said to him, listen to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Blessed are you, Simon Bajona. Simon was his native name. Bajona. Jonah means son of Jonah, literally. But more importantly, means son of the spirit. Means at that moment, Peter was born of the spirit, in a sense. Why did he call him that name? He said, blessed are you, Simon by Jonah. Why did I say blessed are you? Because what? Flesh and what? Blood, physical senses, did not reveal this to you. But this was revealed to you, By my what? Father, who is where? In heaven. Meaning, the Spirit of God was the one who told you this. Peter, it didn't come from your intellect. Peter, it didn't come by the mere fact that you were a religious man from birth. Peter, it didn't come just because you have been around me. No. No. It was the Father who sent the Holy Spirit to show you who I am. Praise God. I tell you, I had that experience. I grew up in a Christian home. They call Jesus all the time. We knew about Jesus. If you were born from my culture, my culture is one culture in the world, in in Africa, Islam didn't penetrate. That's clear. So about 98% of people there were born in Christian homes. And then we thought we had it. And then we grew up. These evangelical, pentecostal people flooded everywhere and telling us we have to be born again. We fought. This of us in the Catholic Church. We, we, we grew up believing that we are the first church. That every other church, there are only two churches that could be the Catholic and others. That's what we thought. And God started applying his pinches on us. (laughs) When Mike came, I saw him, Jesus, walk into my situation as a giant. Listen, I was oppressed so much that I was sitting in a Catholic mass. I was being oppressed. (laughs) And these Pentecostals were telling me that Jesus can do that. And when I listened to their word, I saw him walk in. I saw him walk in. I bowed, and that. Uh, and after that, I was running away. I didn't want to do anything with facing those people who are oppressing me. Say, no, I'm going to send them. Send you to them. You deal with them. And for thirty something years, that's what I've been doing. Praise the Lord! Come on, give the Lord a clap, our friend. Give the Lord a clap, our friend. So, did we see that? Did we see that? Right? What happened there? Uh, we are going to look at more scriptures next week. We have to round up here. But let, uh, let me say this. Before we come back and look at other scriptures, when this happens, the person receives God into their heart, and the person of the Holy Spirit is born again. Are you following? The moment you see Jesus in this form, there seems to me to be a suction pump from heaven. Connected to your heart and it zaps in the Holy Spirit (laughs) into your heart. Eternal life floods your life. You get born again. You and when you see him, immediately you see him, you repent. That's the first thing that happens. You do what? You repent. After you repent, eternal life comes in. You're born again. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're born again. Are you following? You're cleansed. You're justified. You're sanctified. You're reconciled with God. And you're restored to God. Huh? And then you enter. You receive the redem- his redemption and you enter into his salvation. This is called conversion. I will stop right here. The tape is off. Did that make sense to you tonight? Huh? Was your coming here worth it? Hmm? You know why I'm asking because it's going to be colder next Thursday. The Spirit just told me that. (laughs) I'm not a meteorologist, but I'm just warning you. So, be here. It's not going to be cold, hot cold. It's going to be just cold. It's not going to be cold to the point of hot water, okay? So, but did you receive anything tonight? that's what's important. See, come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Uh-oh, so weak, so weak, so weak. Come on. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a clap offering. That is that is revelation. You see, we need to walk on with in understanding. If you understand somebody, you relate with them better. How many of you will say you had the experience I taught tonight? Did we have that experience? Huh? Oh, then why, what's your, your hand doing on your laps? Okay. So, if, and if you have it, Jesus said to Simon, he said, you're blessed. Uh-huh. If you had this experience that you saw, let me say this to you. A lot of your colleagues on the job have tried to see this. They can't. Am I right? A lot of family members don't understand what you saw in this Jesus. They don't even understand what's going on with you. You were not uh, like like that before. And all of a sudden you're talking about something happened. You don't just wake up and start talking about Jesus like that or following him like that. You don't. They wonder what happened to you. The devil himself wonders. Because he had had his plans laid out. And all of a sudden, boom. Your inner spiritual eyes will open. Can you now rise to your feet? Mm. Come on.